That's the reason why every time you open up that book, you be getting sleepy. <laughs> You've been up all day. You've been doing whatever you want. You pick up that Bible. Uh, I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> like, you think that's not that's not coincidence? Like, yeah. You know, uh, his grace is sufficient. <laughs> like, no, that's because you got to recognize part of the, the enemy's plan. It's like. Welcome to a Christian podcast, the podcast where we have Christ-centered conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Wilson. Welcome to another episode of a Christian podcast with Kevin Wilson. I got some people with me. We also got some Spanish music in the background. So if y'all see us vibing a little bit, then just rock with us. Um, but we'll go to my right and then I'll let y'all introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Sam. They also call me Sammy. So I'm Kimmy. And I'm Matt. Smooth. So today, actually, I'm going to start off with a question that's not that serious. Um, in a situation that an ambulance is on its way to help somebody and they hit someone, <laughs> would they stop for that person or would they go to the original person that they that they was trying to get to? I don't just 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 what do you think? Like, be on your way somewhere, right. boom. Ambulance, blah, blah, blah. They would stay they there, hit no? somebody. And dispatch know. another? No? You think they was? I don't know. In my head, they would They would keep going. They would keep going? Because they got a, the first, that's a fresh wound. <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> and so, and so the, the other person, they've been struggling for a minute. So oh, you got to prioritize. I don't know. Matt, what you think? <laughs> I was literally going to say, they'll call 911 for the next, <laughs> to go to the next person, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know. I heard that question the other day, and I was like, "That's an interesting question." So, Sammy, what you think? I I agree with Matt. Like, just send somebody else, maybe. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think you gotta keep going. Cause that's like a hit and run. You gotta keep that's a whole other problem. <laughs> they got uh, they got authority to do that. They'll be all right. Yeah. All right. So, um, here we go. So today, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. And we're talking about what it is, how to um, even acknowledge it, and then also to how how to uh, engage and to participate um, actively in that. So you have two opposite sides of the spectrum, both of which are equally as dangerous. On one side, you have people that don't acknowledge anything of the spirit realm, right? They just think that everything is just it is what it is right if if somebody decides to do something bad they just felt like it um if if you know somebody decides to kill somebody then that's just what they wanted to do that's strictly it right on the other end you got people that's so you know into the spirit realm that everything's Every, like nothing there's no accountability for anything it's just a demon or this or that like they there's you know everything's because of demon and both of which there's a place for, but like, I think those are opposite ends of the spectrum that are not healthy to be on, right? And so our goal is to really understand what the spirit realm is and uh, understand what spiritual warfare is so that we can engage it in it. Because the worst thing you can do as a soldier is be unaware that you're in the middle of a battlefield, right? If I'm, if you're like, imagine yourself at war and you're just literally just sitting around looking like it's over like and as funny as that is that's what a lot of christians are right now they're just soldiers in the middle of a battlefield unaware and so um that's dangerous so we want to try to you know just equip um quit people and just even just through conversation learn more about the spirit realm so let's go to the scripture y'all know how we do if y'all got your phone or your bibles y'all can pull them out I'm going to start at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And uh, I'll actually read this one. So, um, when tempted, ooh, do I want to start there? Let's see. Okay. I don't want to start there. Do, 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 do. Yes, I do. All right. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, right there, for one, sometimes people have this thing of like, God tempted me or God made me do this or God was trying to teach me a lesson. So, he brought me into this thing so that I could learn something. God's never going to tempt you into sin, right? Yeah, this scripture is pretty clear that um, our sin is a product of our own evil desire, right? And so we're going to get into it a little bit in the future, but um, I mean, in, in the episode, but our evil desires are, are a product of Satan, the fall of Adam and Eve. And so once they, it says, once they sin, sin entered the world. All right, once they ate the fruit, sin entered the world. And so we know that we are born in sin and shaping in iniquity, as it says in the Psalms. And so question, are you or were you ever on either side of that seesaw that I described before, where one side is just there's nothing spiritual, there's no demons and stuff. What are y'all talking about? That's extra or everything's this and this is spiritual and this is like bro we're just eating chips <laughs> what are you talking about uh, have, have either of y'all either been or on one or experienced um people that are that are a little extreme um i was born and raised in like the church and i've always known of god so i don't think i've ever been on either side but i did go to a <laughs> Um, private Christian University that's also a PWI and my least favorite experience on campus would definitely be like my white counterparts going on like missions and then coming back and then experiencing more spirituality than they ever have in their Baptist lives yeah. and they would you know like you were saying bro we're eating chips like <laughs> <laughs> right we just tell them what you talk about i promise you <laughs> what are you talking i about? promise you like and it would be like little things like okay so we're eating chips like oh i can't eat the barbecue lays because the bag is black and oh, it like nah. it like literally every little thing and it was like all right bro <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm good. Relax. i'm good and honestly like the the thing that i didn't see like notice or realize about being overly spiritual or like over spiritualizing everything is that that's a distraction as well and like you're so busy bodied like everywhere oh i see this in you i see this in you what are you seeing yourself <laughs> what is god telling you about you <laughs> like yeah. and it's like point. it's just a distraction and it's like you think that you're serving good and you're serving god and really you're distracted yeah yeah that's good. Anybody else? Any experience? So I'm the same as Kimmy. Um, been in church my whole life. Uh, also have gone to private school my whole life until like college. Um, so I've, I've never experienced anything um, to that magnitude or encountered people that are like overly spiritual. Um, and I myself, I think I'm like in the middle as well. Like I can recognize the, spil the spiritual realm, um, but I'm not like, like you said, the back is black. Like I'm, I'm not like that at all. Um, so, you know, now I have, um, of course, encountered people who really don't have any knowledge or any, um, they don't, uh, what's the word? They don't acknowledge basically the spiritual realm or they don't know they're not knowledgeable of it um, or are blind to it let me say that um, so I have experienced that but not anything like overly spiritual I've, ne I've never experienced that so gotcha yeah I think one of the things that I realized was that like once you once your eyes are really open to the things of the spirit it's hard to unsee it like you 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 hear and see stuff through that lens and that perspective and it's beneficial because now you can pray so for example um i recently heard about someone speaking about this person that had all this type of sickness like 
heart failure and this and that and that. And so on the surface to anybody, it's just like, man, they're just sick. It's just whatever. But I'm like, that's, that's, Bible talks about a spirit of infirmity, right? We, oftentimes when we see people that are always sick, like their whole lives and everything, there's nothing. Like oftentimes the Bible literally talks about Jesus casting a spirit of infirmity. And so, yeah, you can, we got medical stuff and doctors and all that, but like doctors can't cast out a demon, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. And so we, we go into all these medical professionals, you know, for, for everything. And, and so I don't, I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't give medicine to a demon. You can't counsel a demon. Like it is what it is. Right. And so we're going to get into that in a little bit, but let's, um, Matt, did you have anything? All right. All right. Let's say, all right, cool. So let's go to. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, yeah, let's talk about that. So, we know that there's an enemy, right? We've seen it from Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, you have the snake that comes up and it's like, yo, surely you won't die if you eat that fruit, right? <laughs> Off top, he's automatically tempting them, right? So, one of the things in the Bible is the... The first mention or the principle of first mention. So when anything's meant, something is mentioned for the first time, that is the reference point for how to observe or to continue to learn about that. So the first thing we really see about Satan is him being a tempter, right? We know he's a tempter. We know he's the father of all lies. That's who he is, right? And so there's a thing of, um, like, oppression right that that's that's the enemy coming against you to try to stop you from what you're doing right and so when we talk about you know things that are demonic there's always this debate of like can christians have demons or can christians and all of this stuff and can christian be uh possessed or oppressed or all this stuff the bible when you look at it in its original language oppressed or possessed possessed is not in there either way right it's a term uh called i don't know how to say it in the greek language but it's called demonization meaning in some way affected or afflicted by a demon right and so we kind of make it seem like a spooky thing but it's, it's not that we've all had encounters where the enemy tried to get you to do something or tempted you or anytime you've sinned right you were under the oppression or the influence in some way shape or form of the enemy right and so um Many people debate whether Christians can deal with that kind of stuff. And I just want to kind of walk through scripture a little bit. So let's go through Acts chapter five. I'll start at verse one. Uh, yeah. Acts chapter five, verse one through five. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear sees all who heard what had happened. And Peter, I, I mean, I, even if you just look at the verbiage he uses, how how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? In other words, how have you so allowed Satan to influence you to do something that you have no business doing? Um, and so that's where we see an example of like, man, this is, uh, it's made tangible or it's made practical. Because sometimes we don't acknowledge it and you think like, oh, I just I just be doing stuff or people just be out here and it's like yeah that part of it is true we are tempted by our own desires as the word says but the other part is the enemy is trying and he's been trying since the beginning of time to get us to do what he wants not what what God wants us to do um so let's see let's go to Luke chapter 22 verse 1 through 4 
And can somebody, one of you guys, uh, Sammy or Matt, read that? That's Luke chapter 22, verse verses 1 through 4. Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he may how he might betray Jesus. Yeah. Then Satan entered Judas. All right. So again, we see the oppression or the activity of Satan uh, consuming somebody and causing them to do something that otherwise would be outside of the nature of a follower of Christ. Right. And so only point that. What's your point, Kevin? Why are you pointing this out? Right. Because if you think that you are above the influence of Satan. That's. It's, it's ignorance, right? And the Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, right? Like, it's not because, it's not always we perish because we did something that was blatantly foolish or ridiculous. Sometimes you not knowing is all the playground that Satan needs. Because yeah. he's like, oh, we, they don't know? They don't know the scripture? They don't know it? Like, that's all he needs. And so we often try, times, like, make it uh, a thing of, um, just like this, you know, big thing of like ah, but it's like nah, it, people literally perish for a lack of knowledge, um, and so I just want to point that out. So I think that particular scripture also points to the idea that the pro- your proximity to Jesus has nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. There has to be a reason why Satan entered Judas and not Peter. There has to be a reason. It's 12 of them. Why he ain't answer all 12 of them? Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, you can be as close as you want. You can grow up in the church. You can know God. You can know of God. But mm-hmm, yeah. what relationship do you have with him? Does he abide in you? Because Jesus and Satan can't cohabitate. Mm-hmm. That's why he got kicked out. Yeah. So if Jesus and if you operate within Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit operates within you, there is no space for Satan to occupy. So, man, because so Jesus said... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not casted out demons? Right? Have we not done miracles in your name? Yeah. And what did he say? He said, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. That I, We talk about this a lot on this podcast, but that scripture in itself, that's got to be a little scary. Because yeah. we, see, we see regular believers and we're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But we see... Pastors, preachers, leaders, and people that walk powerfully in the in, in anointing in the spirit of God. And we see them casting out demons and doing this and doing that. And we're like, man, they surely must have a great relationship with God. And Jesus said, they did that stuff. They prophesied. They got answers from me without the relationship with uh, with me. And to your point, Kimmy, I think that's a great point that there's, there's yeah, Proximity to does not equate to intimacy with. So I like that. Anybody else have anything to share? I was thinking that um, that kind of points back to um, how we get we get the gifts without repentance yep. and how you can function in the things that God gave you. But if you're not doing it with the right motives, yep. you can do everything he's called you to do. But if you're doing it for your own selfish motivation or just to get likes on Instagram or whatever it is, you don't really know me. Yeah. You know it, you know it, you know what I gave you the ability to do, but you're not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. You've walked away from me. And so that's why I think a lot of times we get uh confused when or just church in general and how we get to things like church hurt or being hurt by people in church, because you're thinking like because they're this person on the podium that they're going to be perfect or they're this type of, they must be this person. Yeah, yeah. But in reality, <laughs> they just have, this is something that they have a gift for. And then, but you can be blessed through it, but then that's why you also have to study, show yourself approved. You're supposed yeah. to read the word for yourself because the man on the pulpit can't be your God. And a lot of times we look at them like that. Mm-hmm. And so 
it points back to the scripture to say, yeah, that person going to do all those things, but they, they, they've departed from me a long time ago. Yeah. You know, that's so. good. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So one thing that you said, Kimmy, is like, uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to teach it. So they can't co cohabit. What you say? What's the cohabitate? Right. Um, so there, there's truth to that, right? And there's another part. I love the way that uh, Pastor Vlad said it. He said that him and his wife, throughout all the years of marriage, have always just opened their homes to have somebody like that that was in need live in their home, right? And so he said, these people, when they came, they had the keys to our house, they had access to the things of our house, they, they had a room in our house. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the deed and the title and the ownership of the house was um, ours, right? And so um, through certain things, we can't open the door to give the devil access to a part of us, um, right? As a believer, you can't be fully like, I don't believe that you can be fully overtaken or fully possessed by, yeah, thank you, <laughs> possessed uh right by demonic presence but the bible says that how do i articulate it again even then like how a certain so filled you right um again i don't know we we obviously don't know where ananias or uh yeah like where their heart really was like where they was postured towards them um but we can see a level of you're in proximity to the people of god so we assume that you believe, but um, yeah. So I think with that, it leads me to this question, which is how do we know? Because it says we are drawn by our own fleshly desires, right? But it also talks about the oppression of the enemy. How do we know when our flesh ends and where the enemy begins? Does that make sense? The question like where... Am I operating just because I'm a human being that's born in sin and that's just what I want to do? And where is it that now nah, that's literally Satan tempting you and coming against you? Um, and so I want to kind of go through that. Does anybody have any original thoughts? I got some. I feel like that's messy. <laughs> that gets really muddy really quickly. Um, I think that flesh that we refer to is a result of the fall of man and Satan lies at the the root of that. Um, and I feel like my answer is going to be different than your answer. You know, our, both our answers going to be different from your answer yeah. just because we're our own individual beings. But at the end of the day, that sin nature, that flesh, whatever you want to call it, it is a result of the fall of man. Like mm -hmm. we were born into that nature because of, you know, the enemy's temptation. And so I feel like that is like, I don't know how to explain what I'm thinking, but it's like, it's like residual. It's like the, that residual effect from the oh, fall of you. man. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I feel like it kind of gets dangerous trying to dissect the two. I see what you're saying. That's you know what, what I mean? Because it's like, now that's not really Satan. This is me. Like, God must have put it in my heart for a reason. <laughs> that gets really muddy really quickly. It's that's a very, it's a very dangerous thing to try to mm. dissect. Mm. And I don't want to say, you know, for me, like it's easier to dissect it, you know, this way for me, and then that not be the same way for you or someone else, you know. Right. Just because at the end of the day, it's all a residual effect to from the fall and. Our goal is to be operating, you know, in the spirit. And so maybe, I don't know. I I personally, I don't have an answer for that, you yeah. know? No, you Just, I mean, it's a, it's not a, it's not like a, you know, some questions are like easy. Like, oh, yeah, yeah like it's not like an easy question. Um, essentially, how do we know where our flesh ends and our, and, and the oppression of the enemy begins? But like, what, what's just me? Like, oh, I just... I just drink because I want to drink. And what is literally the plant, the, the plot and plan of Satan trying to get me to do things that will cause me to, to sin? You get what I'm saying? I don't think there's a clear straight up like boom, right? Um, yeah, something I'm saying? I think I have something to say. All right, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, um, if I'm understanding, if I'm understanding that correctly, 
so I, I think it's a part of your a heart posture. We're tempted all the time, all the time. Your flesh always wants to do something that is not aligned with the will of God, right? But if I say, okay, God, I am tempted in this moment, but I know what I'm doing is not pleasing to you. Yes, that's my flesh. Yes, like I'm, I'm, I want to do it, but mm-hmm. am I being submissive? Am, am I being willing? Am I being um, open to be used by you, you know, at that point? And even if you did it, you recognize it to say, Lord, I messed up. I repent. I, and I, and I want to go further. Like you get what I'm saying. And then from there, that's when you say, all right, Satan, I, I slipped up. You got me that, that time. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you can't continue to keep doing those things and you put a stop to it. Um, with the, the help of the Lord, of course, and the Holy Spirit. And you ask Holy Spirit, like remove, remove that, that whatever is trying to please my flesh or whatever I was tempted with, Mm -hmm. um, even if it did feel good in that moment, like Holy Spirit, just remove that and um, drive it up from the root, like take it up from the root, you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we could be like, Oh God, just take it away. You know? And it's like, okay, yeah, take it away. But like, take it out from the core, you know, and to where I don't even have a desire for it anymore. And so um, that, that's kind of, Again, I I don't know if that answered the question, but that's just kind of how I perceive it. I think that's a great, great take. Um, I think one of the things I think of when I think about that is the consistency of that that theme, that struggle. Like, it's one thing, like, if I just am like, okay, I don't know. Um, like, I just told a lie, right? In a, in a moment, I told a lie. Um but I feel if I feel like this constant need to always lie, this constant thing is like I can't stop lying. Then I might have to look at that and say, especially if my heart is is um, a, a heart of repentance, and I do pray God take away this de- desire. If I if I if that's where I'm at and I continue to struggle with this, then I might have to say this might be not just my own desire, because I'm asking to take it away. It might be the the plan of the enemy. And at that point, I might need some prayer. I, ne- I might need some people to pray for me, with me, and agree so that we can pray against that. Because um, there are, sp- I mean, it's spirit. It's, it's just like we have angels that we believe help and protect and do all of this stuff. There's demons assigned to, to us that are, are, are there just for the sole sake of, of trying to prevent us from reaching our destiny. And so um, I think one of the things you may be able to look at and say, maybe this might, like, if you have some of these things, you might say, like, okay, maybe I need to pray for more discernment in this area, right? So, um, for example, example, like chronic um, fear, depression, or heaviness, right? The Bible says, put on a garment of praise for what? A spirit of heaviness. It don't say put on a garment of praise for the feeling of heaviness or for the season of heaviness. This is put a garment of praise for the spirit. Um, so if you, if you feel like you may, I just got this unshakable depression or just heaviness over me or fear, then it might be a spirit. It might not just be just life, right? This part of that, but if you have like nightmares and stuff all the time, constantly again, same thing. Um, if you feel that you have no control over your sin, it's one thing when we sin and it's like at the end of the day, you like, I did what I wanted to do. That's, you know, I didn't do the right thing, but I was in control. I did what I wanted. If you feel like you're constantly, I keep sinning. I can't, I don't, I just can't control it. Like I'm wilding and I just, you know, then you might have to look at that and say, what's causing you to do that? Right. Um, again, chronic sickness. All, just you see some people in life that are just always sick, always sick. And again, not every time. I don't want to just say that every time that somebody gets sick, they're under demonic oppression. But it's something to at least pray about and consider, and to seek wise counsel, and to seek other people and say, "Hey, I, I I've been sick my whole life," and like so that they can pray for you. Um, and so, uh, what's the other thing I have? Oh, and then like suicidal thoughts. So if you constantly have suicidal thoughts, again, you line that up with the will of God for you. 
God does not want it. God, God doesn't want that for you. And so if I'm having these thoughts, I, I can't just sum it up to just life being hard. Right. That is part of, I mean, somebody wanting to commit suicide in some cases. But again, the Bible says I'm getting ahead of myself. Matter of fact, let's just go there. Okay. Ephesians chapter six. Um, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness of the of the uh, spiritual forces of heavenly realms. Right. And so. Um, yeah, let's let's even go there again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So a lot of the stuff that we be dealing with, we we you mad at the person and it's like you got to acknowledge there's a spirit behind that. Yeah. Like, this person is not just annoying to you. Some people are just going to be annoying to you, right? There's some people in life, you just, you just like, don't diagnose every person you don't like as them having an evil spirit. That's not what I'm saying, because there's going to be, be people in life you just don't like, right? Yeah. You don't have to have no spirit, right? Like, don't, I don't want, Kevin said, <laughs> you got to, no, no, I didn't say that. May, hear me clearly. Um, but, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our our struggle is not against people. It's not against the things. It's against the spirit realm. Because everything, I mean, from the beginning, the Bible, the the Satan was tempting them. He was he was going against the plan and the original design of what God had for them. And so, all throughout your life, you can look and see and say, "Man, everything I tried to do." the enemy was trying to stop me from doing. And a lot of times the enemy uses what God gave you as a as a skill or as a benefit and he tries to use it against you. So for example, um humility, for example. God gives people humility, right? And um what the enemy will try to make you do is be so humble that you don't want to do anything or that you don't want to even use the platform or the gifts that you have and he'll use your humility, which is a gift and, and a benefit to the kingdom of God that you're not going around arrogant, prideful and all the things you do. And the enemy will, will say, well, let's just have you do nothing. Right. <laughs> Cause that's, that's pretty good to us. Um, and so I just, I just think like it's good to, um, to just make sure that you're aware of that. Right. That's the first, that's the first step. So, I want to read that, the rest of that verse, right? So it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, uh, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then this is where we really should be happy as Christians because it gives us the, um, it gives us what we need to, to fight against that, right? And so it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that, ooh, where, I lost my, Oh, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Right. And after I've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we see the armor of God that we are equipped with and so for those that are like you know again at the beginning I said this is about spiritual warfare God would not give you armor if you wasn't in war you know what I'm saying if you have any if you have any questions or any doubt about there being spiritual warfare why else in the world would God give you armor if you're not in war um and so if you just look at it like it's giving you everything you need, right? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. But what I love, or my favorite too, the shield of faith, right? And the sword of the spirit. So if you look at the whole armor, there's only one thing that you use to attack. There's only one thing you use offensively, right? The sword, it's the word. Even when you see um, in Matthew, you see, um, Jesus was brought to the wilderness by the spirit of fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, um, the devil was up there tempting him. He's like, yo, I'll show you all this. I'll show you all this. And what does God, what does Jesus do? He replies with scripture. 
He says, it is written. Man shall not eat up. Like, he's he doesn't go back and forth tit for tat. He doesn't talk about all these. He's literally like, it is written this. It is written here. He doesn't use anything else. That's the only thing he attacks the enemy with. Because that's our only weapon, for real. Um, and so my question is, how do we actively engage that right like what does that look like on a day-to-day like when's the last time y'all had to use y'all sword of the spirit and, and and put that to good use um i see for me personally you can hold it up a little bit. i'm sorry for me personally i'm a i'm an emotional person and so i feel like a lot of times the enemy will um, try to weaponize my own emotions against me. And I like, I got a scripture for everything. <laughs> There's a tab on my laptop where like, you know how you can save them or whatever, like scriptures for peace, scriptures for anxiety, scriptures for this and that. Like sometimes worship music don't, don't cut it for me like you know you can be as wise as loving as caring as you want literally the only thing that i have is literally what you were just talking about jesus said now the bible says at the end of the day like my faith and my trust is in jesus so like even though i'm upset or even though i'm feeling anxious right now even though and i have good reason to like you know when the enemy tempted jesus he wasn't lying you know, he he did have dominion over the earth. Like, he he was not lying. Yeah. That's where he rules. That's where he reigns. And so there are things in my life where the enemy can use just that little ounce of truth and wrap a whole lot of lies around that yeah. that thing and try to feed it to me as whole truth. And I'm like, uh, no, no, let, let's, let's strip that lie off because, mm-hmm. you know, in Romans it says this. And let's strip that lie off for this piece because, you know, in Genesis it says this. Way back in the beginning that, yeah. the, you know, this is what it says. And it gets me back out of the, like, my emotions back down to that simple truth that he tried to manipulate. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm just thinking about different situations. But I think what I keep seeing is, like, anytime I feel like there may be an attack coming and I think about the uh, okay (laughs) right that was the attack right Right. get you distracted real fast Um, but no I think about when there's an attack coming and you have your armor on typically what I think of is you have a shield of faith you have to lead with your faith first Mm. so in any situation um, when like when I think there's something that may not, I'm, I like to be, mentally I like for things to be perfect, but I know they won't be perfect, but I want to get as close as I can as possible. So when I know, for me, when I think something's going to be off or I may not be able to handle something, like I have to be like, nah, I can't focus on that. I have to just start, start first. Mm-hmm. So I let my faith go first. Mm-hmm. And then that way, when I encounter whatever it is, I have my sword already ready mm-hmm. in a position which also blocks you from being able to attack me the way you want to, you know? So it's just, I lean on faith and then I use scripture to back it up, you know? And so, but the key is you have to know it. Yeah. And if you don't know, you don't read the Bible, you don't do anything, you don't, you're not in the word itself. It's useless to you. Yep. You might as well, it's, you almost might as well even bring it. You know, yeah. it's like carrying the Bible around, but you've never opened the book. It's what is it? It's at that point, it's just pages on, on a sheet. Yeah. You know, it's not living for you. So you have to actually use it. And so for me, I think it's just um, at the end of the day, I think I'm trying to bring it back to the question. No, but, you're good, you're good. but no, just like um, but I think first for me, it's like when we when we go through these things, I always have to lean on my faith first, because regardless of whatever I see, whatever's going on. I have to lean to the faith, faith, faith first, which gets me in position to actually fight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. I think like that's a great point. I think I also think of the, when I think of the shield of faith, I imagine that the level of my faith, <laughs> this is just visually matches the size of my shield. Mm-hmm. So 
right? It, we only need yeah. a mustard seed of faith, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's levels and increments of faith, yeah. right? And so if I just barely believe God, I might just have this little, you know, my <laughs> shield. I, I can use it, make sure I protect myself. But I imagine that when I my faith is really like, locked in i'm ta like i really believe god for this thing i imagine a bigger shield i imagine a bigger thing of protection i don't i can't verify that scripturally but that's just what i think right yeah. so uh sammy do you have anything um i actually do want to say something to what both of you are saying i love the analogy of you know the size of your faith and the size of your shield but i also look at it as with the sword of the spirit of course yes if if you don't use it, like I think of literally like the army or the military, you know, granted they have guns now, <laughs> but what is, what is, what good is it for you to have a weapon, not even use it? If I have a sword, I'm just charging at this point. Right. I, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm just running with my shield, hoping that I won't get hit and I have this word, like like you said, I'm carrying a, around a Bible. I'm not using it. It's just a sheet with some words on it or paper with some words on it. And it's just like, you know, I'm just carrying it. But I'm not slicing. I'm not dicing. I'm not I'm not doing anything. I'm not waving it around in the air. You can say whatever you have to do. If it's a gun, I'm not shooting it. No, I'm just kidding. But like, no, seriously, like with the sword, you're not doing anything. So, yes, when the enemy does tell you, I'm not good enough. What do you have? You get what I'm saying? And I don't know if you guys have um, played that game, like Fruit Ninja. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is my game, okay? <laughs> I love Fruit Ninja. But anyway, for those of y'all who don't know, like, it's like fruit of getting tossed up in the air. You have to, like, slice the fruit up. And so, you know, it's just... Slice and dice. My kid is coming out. But, um, no, it's, like, the same way. Like, again, if the enemy is throwing these things at you... Like, you're just letting it hit you. Yeah, it may bounce off that shield, but what happens when it comes to the left or to the right of you? You know what I'm saying? Like, so you have to be able to slice it and dice it accordingly. So, And it speaks to the fact that you have to, like, have you ever, I don't know how many people have ever done this, but have you actually held a sword before? Loki is heavy. It's got some yeah, weight to it. A real one? Yeah. Where did all y'all be? I, I I'm the only one on the podcast that never held a sword. No, it's really heavy. And it's like, not only do you have a readily usable weapon at your disposal, but it can actually wound you if you don't know how to use it. You know what I mean? Because if we want to talk about it, Double the edge. enemy got, got the sword too. He know the word. He knew it well enough to try to tempt the word with the word. You know how yeah. good you have to know the word to try to, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like <laughs> The word made flesh. You try right? to tempt them with it. <laughs> yeah, man. You got to learn. How, you have to know when to wield it. And for me, that looks like context. You know, I can't, I'm not just throwing any scripture at any situation. Right. Like I'm, I specifically chose the scripture because, you know, this is how it lines up with the context where, you know, when Jesus said this in, in scripture and stuff like that. So context is important and not just throwing words out because Jesus didn't just throw words out. You know, each scripture is embedded in a story. It's the scripture that comes before it and it's the scripture that comes after it. And those are important too. So don't just be throwing scripture out to be throwing scripture out. That's Wield your weapon, but you gotta. That's yeah. very important. Uh, so I want to know where where was y'all holding all these swords? Every, you held one too? You held a sword before? I've held a machete. Okay, that's close enough. Maybe. Matt, that's you? as close as we got. Yeah. Everybody just, y'all just got access to swords. <laughs> I need to get one. <laughs> Go on Amazon. <laughs> I have a sword already. You gotta get right, out. Right. I, got, I got one right here. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I think that's a great point. This is a double-edged sword. Um, you can't use what you don't know to your point, right? And... I want to read. Oh, I got to go to my notes. I, I'm reading this book called The Screw Tape Letters. I highly recommend it. It's great. It's about uh, it's funny perspective. It's written from the perspective of a senior, older demon, right? Writing letters to his nephew, teaching him the strategies of 
the demonic realm and how they try to prevent us from being saved. And once we are saved, how they try to get us to not be saved and all this stuff. Right. It's a, it's a great uh, perspective because it makes you think of it like from the side of the enemy. Right. Um, but one of the things they said in this book that I was like, dang, now keep in mind, this is written from not from God. It's written from the perspective of the enemy. Right. And it says that I got a lot of these notes. Hold on. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, where is it at? Oh, I know where it's at. I know where it's at. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it. I know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. Um, basically, it says that humans think our best work is done when we attack them, when we put things in their mind, when we do all this stuff, right? But our best work is really done by preventing them from putting anything in their mind, right? Our, our best work is, is, is done when we stop them from reading the Bible, right? When we stop them from seeking the knowledge of Christ. Because, yeah, it's cool for us to do all this and all that, but it's at the end of the day, what does it say? My people perish from a lack of knowledge. And so the enemy knows this, and so... That's the reason why every time you open up that book, you be getting sleepy. <laughs> you been up all day. You been doing whatever you want. You pick up that Bible. Uh, I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> like, you think that's not, that's not coincidence? Like, yeah. You know, uh, his grace is sufficient. <laughs> like, no, that's because you got to recognize part of the, the enemy's plan. It's like, if I could just keep you from... If I could keep you, like, I just think about the amount of hours. Only God knows the amount of hours that I've wasted on social media. What if I took, let's be realistic, let's not, let's, what if I just took a fourth of that and spent time in the Word? Where would I be? How much more would I know? How much more uh, aware of my authority in Christ would I be? And so, um, don't overlook the... We often see the attack of the enemy, like, God, uh, he did this, and now I got, my car is messed up, and now all this stuff, right? But we we overlook and sometimes think that when nothing's happening, nothing's happening. But really, sometimes if nothing's happening, that's the most damaging, right? And so make sure that you tapped in and, and aware and, and uh, diligent about your discipline um, because that is the time where you build your faith up, right? If if I'm dealing with anxiety, but I don't know the scripture that says be anxious for nothing, doesn't matter. That's, that scripture is literally a recipe for peace in the midst of anxiety. But if I don't know it, it doesn't. It might as well not exist. Um, and so, just be more diligent about your time. I mean, and don't don't get to the point where it's like. You're comparing because sometimes you can fall into that like, ah, such and such. They be spending a whole bunch of time with God. It's like you're not it's not a race. It's not a competition. You're just simply trying to make sure that you're the best equipped Christian follower of Christ that you can be so you can stand against the schemes of the enemy. So anybody have anything off that? I just thought about um, you talk about like the devil. His biggest thing is to distract you from doing like reading and staying the words like so when you say like get tapped in like what happens to anything that we don't feed we don't tap into you can know what you know but if you don't continue to feed continue to tap in you gonna it's gonna die yeah. so your spirit will literally i don't say literally so your spirit basically will die because you're not growing yeah. Yeah. like yeah. you're not doing just being where you are is not good enough you know you have to continue to 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 wrestle and and grow and and learn um because like I said, like you, you would dry yourself out thinking you're doing a good thing. Like, oh, I'm good. Like, let me just stay here. Let me, I, let me just, I'm staying away from that, but I'm, you know, I'm here. But you can't just stay there. You got to keep moving. And so I think that's something we have to realize too. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, so I want to talk about, I want to share this real quick. Uh, So one, okay, one thing I, I think that's important as I just opened up the Bible was that is that uh, 
unforgiveness can prevent your freedom, right? When we talk about spiritual warfare, some people do not receive freedom because they cannot forgive, right? And one thing about God, he is a God of his word. If it says it, he will do it, even if that's not convenient, right? Even if that's not convenient for him, right? And so his word says, uh, it's talking about, it's, it's the parable of the unmerciful servant, right? And it's a story about someone that was uh, giving his stuff, blah, blah, blah. And they basically, in, in short, because it's, it's long, um, someone forgave them, right? And it became their time to forgive. And they did not forgive. And so it says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. And so we say that and we like, oh, that's kind of harsh. And I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying that's what's written. And so um, some some people might be like, man, I just feel like I can't shake whatever I got going on. And so one of the things to um, maybe evaluate is, do I have unforgiveness towards somebody? Um, even yourself, it could be like some people that can't forgive themselves. And so it could be somebody that's um, alive or dead. You, you can still have unforgiveness for somebody that's not even living anymore. And so um, I think you should just take time to ask that and even ask the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody that maybe in my past or something that I haven't forgiven? Because you're literally subject to uh, torment is what the scripture says. And and you God cannot forgive somebody that doesn't forgive others. Um, so, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to read, which is. Just something else to take into perspective our authority is Mark sixteen seventeen that says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And so I recognize that not that scripture's not <laughs> uh known to everybody so when you read drink deadly poison don't drink no deadly poison <laughs> don't test it out it, it's 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 saying you'll be in harmful the same thing with the snake it's saying you'll be in harmful situations yeah. and because of the grace of god you'll be covered but don't be drink no cyanide and be like i'm gonna be great <laughs> yeah, it won't harm me you go see god and he'll be like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing um but it says that in my name, they'll drive out demons. So I, I'm, I almost should have just started out with this because some people that that don't acknowledge the, the demonic spirits, Jesus, why would Jesus give them dominion over something that don't exist, right? Um, and then last one, which I'm not even gonna read it. I I, I just go, but like um, Luke ten nineteen, I giving you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions, and so. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever you have going on, don't forget that you have authority over it. That you have dominion through Christ, through Jesus. And so it's in the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess. Um, that scripture, we often skip that part of the scripture. That scripture says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, right? We always say that part. But the scripture after that says, in heaven on earth and below the earth mm -hmm. giving you just extra confirmation that even the stuff below the earth hell and the things of you have dominion through christ right and so don't forget that don't um don't keep letting the enemy beat you up because he'll do that as long as you let him um but it's it's a day that you got to be like hold up i'm a son i'm a daughter of god what we're not about to do is you got to have kind of like a if I came up to Minister Shahid right now and just pushed him, or if just a random man came, he wouldn't just be like, okay. Like, <laughs> something in him would rise up and be like, right, something in him would rise up and be like, yo, he would at least defend himself and make sure we're not going to do that again. 
And so we gotta have the same thing with the devil. Like, you not about to we what we not about to do is that's your that, yeah. that whenever your problems come up and just be like, what we not about to do is just just say that and just start quoting scripture for whatever you got going on. So um, remember remember that like. There's a word for everything you need. There's no situation. Um, God's supply everything we need for life and godliness. And so if you have a situation, there is a scripture for it. It might not be word for word, but in principle. So, for example, um, there's no scripture that says don't watch pornography. Right. But there is a scripture that talks about lust and sexual immorality. And so don't expect to find every single thing word for word. Um, but you can always find the principles of everything you might go through in scripture. So y'all got anything else? Anybody got any questions? I just thought about that. Everybody good out there? All right. You got one. I see it too. Yeah, we can see it. <laughs> you don't have one? Oh, all right. Make one now. No, like, don't, look, don't, don't embarrass me. No, my fault, my fault, my fault. Maybe I just saw the thing in face then. All right. Well, I'm going um, to pray. If you think of anything during the prayer, <laughs> right, ask it. All right. So, Lord, thank you, God, for this episode. Thank you, God, for this time out here at Freedom Park. Lord, we thank you that we have been given authority to trample over snakes and scorpions. God, we thank you that um, it is through your power that we have the, the, the power to um, go against the enemy. Lord, we thank you for the the uh, armor of God, Lord, that protects us, that that keeps us from the attack, the, the attacks of the enemy. God, we thank you for the the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the the feet that are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. Lord, we thank you that you've equipped us with everything we need for life and godliness to stand against the schemes, God. And so, uh, we'll, that's what we'll do, God. We'll stand against the enemy firmly uh, with feet planet god we won't we won't back up we won't shrink we won't be in fear god because you have not given us a spirit of fear but a power of love and sound mind god so we thank you even now for the um turning of our hearts to scripture god that we might be more hungry and thirsty god as the deer panthers for the water so our soul would thirst for you god so that we can learn you as your word says um in ephesians god give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better god because it is knowledge that keeps us uh protected it's the knowledge of the of you and the things you've said god and so lord we thank you that um we have knowledge in you, God, that we have the word, that we can apply it, wisdom and understanding, God, that um, because of your word, we will not perish. Because of your word, we will have understanding and walk in wisdom and be able to go against the schemes of the enemy. So I pray for everybody um, here, even anybody in this part that might be listening that um, feels like they're under demonic oppression or that they're uh, going through depression or suicidal thoughts, God. I pray even now that you would lift those um, spirits from them, God, or anxiety or hopelessness or despair, God. I pray that every person here would experience your presence, God, because the word says that that the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, God. So we pray for freedom, even as we're in freedom part, Lord. And we just uh, proclaim and declare that that the uh, the gates of hell will not prevail, as your word says, and that uh, we will be free for who the sun sets free is free indeed, Lord. So we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey. That's right. You got, you got your question? Ah, all right, all right. Cool. Smooth. You got one? It's a great question. Uh, it was asked. We spoke about authority. What does authority look like? Um, authority looks like, for me, uh, not being moved. Right? When you see a police officer right if i held up a a toy gun to a police officer they would just be like Bro. <laughs> because they know that what they have is for real right and so it's the same thing with the enemies like he gonna come up with these all toy little guns like trying to shoot and that's the thing oftentimes we we get ourselves into trouble by like letting the enemy fool us right 
ah my mom's here i'm gonna share this story all right she said she told me about this story yeah so she told me about this story um <laughs> about this man that that was um in prison right he was in prison and the reason why he was in prison is because of this so he was driving somewhere i might have some of the details messed up but he was driving <laughs> somewhere and um all of a sudden he felt like his car was behind him following him so he stops to go to a gas station and i guess he gets out and he thinks like somebody's following him, all this stuff right and so he's tweaking out at this point right he's he's tweaking out and so how did he even well i don't even remember what happened after that i almost want to let you come up here and tell it but she ain't gonna want to come on she don't like that all right just tell me the part after that what happened it goes into the store And, So yeah, so for the people that couldn't hear, long story short, he calls, he's tripping out, he thinks the police are following him, they're not following him, he goes to the gas station, he's asking for the phone so he could call the police, which I don't know why you call the police if the police is following you, but he does that, he's tripping out, the police get there, he tweaks out, he panics, and for some reason his solution was to hold the clerk hostage by gun. Keep in mind, none of nobody was behind, nobody was following him, and so... Um, yeah, now he has a hostage kidnapping charge for something that literally didn't exist. Yeah. I, that was a long story to say. When we talk about authority, you have to recognize that the enemy actually has no power. That man's literally in prison for something that didn't exist. And so oftentimes the enemy doesn't have the actual power to, he has power, but he doesn't have the power to actually destroy us, but he has enough power to make you fearful so that you do something stupid and then you destroy yourself. Yeah. And so part of authority looks like understanding and knowledge and wisdom that says, I can see that's the enemy. I'm not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. This this situation might look a little kind of sketch right now, but what I'm not about to do is make it worse. And, and get myself into more trouble and more sin and more whatever. So I was a little long. Sorry. Was, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was thinking about the when you said the police, I was thinking about the example that a pastor likes to give um, with the officer in the street where you literally do not in yourself have the ability to stop the cars that's coming at you. But if you stand there and you hold your hand up because you've been bestowed something upon you, yeah. the badge that you wear, that's the reason why everybody else stops because you're standing there because of who's with you. Yeah. So that makes sense. And I was going to say that as well. Like, um, I also kind of look at authority as like an attitude. Um, because a lot of times, sometimes police officers or whomever else, <laughs> even if it's not a police officer, like a governor, a mayor, the president, you know, like, they may it may not be like in a like a condescending way or anything but it's just like a i know my position i know my title i know where i stand and what i stand for and i use that you know um so again coming from a spiritual uh 
context it's like well it's not me like I, I mean i have authority because christ has authority but it's like my attitude is to say that christ is the one you know that has that authority and because of that again i know what i stand for i know even the, the enemy i i know that you've already lost so you know so i kind of look at it as like an attitude as well you know um i actually my perspective of authority is responsibility um at its basic level up for my understanding um you know jesus created adam and said you know this is your job like and adam couldn't really do nothing about that like he just had to <laughs> you know what i mean like he just <laughs> He just <laughs> keep hitting this button. We better go crazy on this just, podcast. You know, he just had to do it. And so I feel like for us practically operating in authority and our dominion is genuinely just knowing what God has assigned to us and operating in that. Yeah. I think to also to to Sammy's point, like the president does he never fears about his safety. Like, the president is never walking around like, ah, somebody better get me. Like, he knows wherever he go, he protected. It's, it's, it's people around him, bulletproof cars. And so it's the same thing. Like, the blood of Jesus is that protection and the spirit for, for the believer. It's like, uh, I got the blood. I got the blood. That's it. So, yeah. Any other questions? Smooth. I feel like now I should hit that little button again and rock out. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Right, right. Make today worth living. <laughs>